Welcome into the 3D Dynasty Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network brought to you by EdgeBoost. EdgeBoost enables you to double your bet with no interest. Go to sportsgambling.com bachelor's edge and get started today. And today we're going to talk about the AFC East. This has been a very, very interesting offseason for the AFC East. And we're starting to see the the... Not starting. We've seen the fall of the Patriots, and the Patriots are expected to be the bottom of the division this year. The Aaron Rodgers to the Jets, um, to his health situation, um, the way the Bills finished the season. I mean, a lot of intrigue with this division. We're going to recap it all. We're going to look at the free agents. We're going to look at the draft recap, and we're going to talk about the dynasty outlook using Mike Clay's fantasy projections. So let's uh, let's let's talk about it. So Brad, let's talk about Josh Allen. Let's talk about Josh Allen. Yeah, so we've talked about a lot of these quarterbacks up to this point. You see their projections, they're sub 4,000 yards, but you see Josh Allen over that 4,000 yards mark for a projection. But you also see that beautiful rushing upside that we love for fantasy football with over 600 rushing yards and really 36 combined total touchdowns for him throughout the season. They do project him to play 16 games, really basically a full season. And I love these projections. Obviously, it really seems kind of, you know, low to me from the passing volume side when you're adding a dynamic guy like Dalton Kincaid. You still have Gabriel Davis. You got James Cook able to catch some passes out of the backfield. Naeem Hines catching passes out of the backfield. So I do believe that number is a little on the low side for Josh Allen. Uh, but I do like that 30 touchdown mark for him as well. So PPR not really matter, but really the number two overall quarterback, uh, according to Mike Clay's projections, I think that seems fair. He definitely has the upside to be the number one overall quarterback yet again. So I love these projections for him in it, in their totality. And looking at the running backs, I mean, James Cook uh, really came on strong. He was one of the highest yards per run, uh, explosive run, um, really all the metrics point to this guy being you know, a breakout candidate. And uh, we really see him some take over the backfield at the end of the season. Um, but then they didn't use him in the playoffs. And so um, your thoughts on James Cook here and his projections. RB31, that's, that's not very exciting in PPR, especially for a guy that is the starting running back on one of the best offenses in football. I mean, this is kind of what we expect, to be honest. I mean, I had, I have some hopes for James Cook, but they are very tempered because they did bring in Damian Harris, who is that bruiser between the tackles guy. I get it. James Cook can run between the tackles. But the fact of the matter is he's a 190-pound guy, right? So they, they're going to have to be very careful with the volume that he's going to get between the tackles. What you really want to see is that receiving total. You want to see those targets. And 47 really isn't all that much. You want to see a little bit more from those receiving backs, if at all possible. And I think that potential is there if they really don't like some of these other guys. But we've seen Khalil Shakir uh, work out of the slot and get some of that work where we kind of were hoping James Cook was going to maybe get a little bit of work, uh, was in the slot, and it's just not really coming to fruition. So I think RB31 is fair. I mean, in reality, the RB2 upside is really all you're going to be able to get out of the Buffalo Bills running back room because of the upside of Josh Allen and his willingness to chuck the rock down the field as well. 
Yeah, and so with Damian Harris, is that someone that you would target? Um, obviously, if you have James Cook, but if you don't have James Cook, Damian Harris could be had for extremely cheap, um, and so so could Naheem Hines. Yeah, I mean, I'm not really super interested in Damian Harris. Um, if I am the James Cook owner, but I do think I'd be interested in him just as a standalone player, to be quite honest, and another, you know, if I do not have James Cook. Plus, he has that upside of if James Cook goes down, he's going to get the bulk of the work. Now, obviously, he's not going to be that pass-catching guy. Naeem Hines would fill that role. But I do think he has some standalone value just from a fact that I do. I might. I wouldn't be shocked if he has more rushing attempts than James Cook does, if it's more of a 50-50 split in the backfield. Uh, but James Cook is going to have that receiving upside. So I think Damian Harris is a guy that I'd be interested in if I did not have James Cook, but I don't want to play the, do I play Damian Harris or do I play James Cook? Do I play them both? Like, ah, but uh, I do think he might have some standalone value for sure. Yeah. I mean, you're looking at, you know, a lot of carries to Josh Allen, 113 carries to Josh Allen, which is the third leading rusher on the team. And pretty close to James Cook, who is the leading rusher. Um, I just think it's really interesting. But, you know, with Josh Allen, that that was the concern. I remember seeing him play. And, he, you know, he looked like uh, dad on Thanksgiving just being a bully and not caring about anything. And I'm like, this guy's it's week one. Like, what is, his, what is he doing? He was just going after people, taking some heavy, heavy shots. And I was like, this is fantastic for fantasy. But can this last? And he did take, you know, get an injury. It was not on a running play. It was on a throw. Um, but it was interesting to see that kind of stop. Yeah, it's interesting with the new, you know, Brian DeBall not calling plays, obviously, since he had the move to the Giants. That new, new offensive philosophy, we actually saw Josh Allen only run the ball about 70 times, which is still a healthy amount. Don't get me wrong, but a 40 attempt jump for him seems like a lot. So Mike Clay is basically telling us, hey, the Bills may not trust necessarily that running back room, and they may rely on Josh Allen to run the ball a little bit more on design plays. And I just don't know that that's going to be the case. I think with him getting up in, and he's not old by any shape of the imagination, but he's getting to that point to where some of these quarterbacks who are rushing quarterbacks start to decline on that rushing upside. So I would expect his attempts to be well under that hundred. And then you've got 40 to 50 attempts to kind of disseminate between Damian Harris. And that's where I think Damian Harris takes the bulk of those and might leapfrog James Cook just, just a smidge. All right. We're going to finish up with the uh, Buffalo Bills here in a second. But remember, this episode is sponsored by Edge Boost. Brad, let's talk about it. Yeah, so we are spot supported by Edge Boost, and Edge Boost is the world's first bet now and play letter Visa card. Edge currently offers up to $2,500 in betting advances, which can be an extreme, extreme valuable, an extremely valuable tool. Imagine what you can do if you just increase your bankroll by $2,500. Get, get down on some of your favorite futures without tying up your entire current bankroll for months. So double down on your favorite bet. This is the key. If you double down on your favorite bet that you like, you're really going to hit that boost, like triples your winnings a little bit, right? We looked yesterday, we talked about a $20 bet that if you bet with an edge boost gave you triple the odds, which is really what we were kind of looking at. Uh, And you can use these to create some cool uh, middle or even hedge your bets. So Edge Boost isn't some crazy sleazy loan shark because they charge you zero percent interest. That's right, zero percent interest. So do you know of a way that you can access more money to place on your favorite bets without paying any interest? Because I don't know of one, Dave. I don't. You probably don't know of one except for Edge Boost. So support SGPN. And grow your bankroll by going to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash edge to sign up. Again, that's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash edge. Must be 21 years or older to use. And if you have a problem gambling, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I was going to say, I do know. Uh, edge boost. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I just I think it's very interesting to see how little they're going to run, having not having a single running back over you know 155 rushes. 
and um, still Josh Allen under 600 attempts. So um, they have him 16 games, not a full 17. But this is the depth chart right now. Looking at the Bills receiving core is like, well, does not look great. And, and I know that they were interested in DeAndre Hopkins. I saw some very interesting stuff today from the Sports Illustrated article. Some executives think he doesn't have it anymore. He can't run. Some think he's fine. But all of them agree that he is not worth the money. And it seems like things were heating up before the draft. The asking price was a second-round pick from the Cardinals. And then the Odell Beckham contract happened. And that seemed to screw everything up because they were going to ask him to take a pay cut. And the market shifted a lot. And that's where we are today, where he got cut. And um, it seems like it's going to be an arms race between the Chiefs and the Bills. That was the two teams named um, before um, the draft that were interested in him. And um, there are rumors of other teams. Uh, the Browns are one of them. Um, there's you know a few other teams out there. But if you're looking at what the payroll looks like, there's not a lot of money left over for anybody at this point because free agency and the draft have already happened. I know everyone says cap is a myth. Eventually there is a cap. I mean, it's a very soft cap. They can maneuver and do different things. But at this point in the season, it is hard to do those things without cutting somebody, trading somebody, or doing an extension that creates some money. So um, it'll be interesting. Um, the Giants have been you know, talked about as a potential landing spot. I don't think that there's much validity to that. But the odds are out for DeAndre Hopkins, and maybe you can use Edge Boost to go place a bet on that. Let's look at the receivers. Stephon Diggs projected to be wide receiver 7, 142 targets, 97 receptions, 1,200 yards, 8 touchdowns. A monster year projected for Stephon Diggs, who didn't have the best season last year. The first part of the year, he was great. The second half of the year, he was not. He was a very inconsistent player at the second half of the year, which is not normal for him because he's been a very consistent player. But Josh Allen did have the injury to his arm, which did hamper some of the, the, the throwing, especially deep down the field. And then Gabriel Davis, wide receiver 40, and then Khalil Shakur, 99. Like, this is this looks like a DeAndre Hopkins needy team. It a hundred percent is I, you know, outside of Stefan Diggs, Gabriel Davis is not really what we had kind of hoped that he was going to develop into. I know he had damn near a thousand yard season last year. Uh, but I just, I'm just not sure I'm a believer that he can be that every week guy that you want him to be. Uh, I know there was a ton of hype for him coming into last season because of the playoff performance and that kind of, easily died down uh, throughout the season because he wasn't a guy that you could really depend on. And then outside of him, it's just a bunch of guys. You know, Khalil Shakir, I know there was a lot of hype around him, but Isaiah McKenzie got the bulk of that work last year with his 70-something targets or 60-something targets that are now vacated. So you see those kind of split between the guys a little bit. And then again, you're, you know, Deontay Hardy, Trent Sherfield, Justin Shorter, a rookie, just a bigger guy. Uh, that's not going to separate a lot, maybe contested catch a little bit, red zone target. But again, he's a rookie and they don't need to force him onto the field. So they definitely need to evaluate this, this wide receiver room. I'm shocked that they didn't address it a little bit earlier than Justin Shorter, but especially with letting Isaiah McKenzie walk. So maybe they're happy with Shakir. They're happy with Gabe Davis, but uh, it's, it's a little underwhelming to me and it would not shock me if they do heavily pursue DeAndre Hopkins. And for Hopkins, I don't know where all of this NFL executive stuff is coming from because he looked elite when he played last season. He still looked like DeAndre Hopkins. He was still catching the ball every time it was thrown to him. He was still playing really good football. So I'm thinking it's probably noise maybe a little bit. I'm not really sure. But if you go back and watch – there's, he didn't really look to lose a step really last year in the games that he was able to play. No, I mean, we, we got in a little argument yesterday. I looked up uh, points per game, and uh, he was one of the top guys for points per game. I forget where he was, but I, I know he was ahead of T. Higgins. Yep. Um, 
Uh, he, he was, but I think he was in the top 10, top 12. He played fewer games because of the suspension. Yeah. Um, to recap their draft, uh, Dalton Kincaid was their first round pick. A lot of people said that they were interested in the receivers, but we saw the receivers go back to back to back to back. And then the bills traded up, but the giants had to trade up that one spot. Um, you know, giants traded up one spot as well. Um, Dalton Kincaid, this this guy is essentially a receiver. Um, you're going to see a lot of work go to him and Dawson Knox. They have 62 and 56 targets here. I, I just I think looking at that receiving room, I think it's going to be more than that for Knox and Kincaid um, and James Cook. To be honest, I just I have no faith in that receiving core, um, especially if somebody were to go down. It's just it's real bad. If if Diggs were to go down. Like, ugh. I'm Osiris. Oh, no, not don't even put that out into the ether, Dave. Come on, man. Um, yeah, hopefully someone else is on the on the uh, trade block as well. But uh, they got an A for their their class. Osiris Torrance, the guard. I think this was a great pick. A lot of you know, I had a lot of PFF mock drafts. I had him in the first round. A lot of people had him as a fringe first round pick. And this is this guy didn't let up a single sack his entire career. And he's a mauler, so he's a good balance blocker. He's a physical dude. And one of the things that really struggled for the Buffalo Bills the last two seasons in the playoffs was their inability to, to protect Josh Allen. He was running for his life. And that's that's one of the reasons they lost the game. Um, then you have Dorian Williams, very athletic linebacker. Justin Shorter was a fifth-round pick. He's a big, big receiver out of Florida. Nick Nick Brocker, uh, he's a guard. He went. He was their uh, seventh round pick. Then Alex Austin, corner, seventh round pick. This team lost some pieces in the uh, in the off season as well. They lost uh, Tremont Edmonds to the Bears, uh, a, a big piece of their defense, and they lost Cody Ford on the offensive line, which I don't think was necessarily a huge loss. Um, but as far as their, you know, as far as the, the Buffalo Bills off season. Recap that in a second, but uh, let's talk about Dalton Kincaid, Brad. What are your thoughts here? Yeah, I, I think these targets are actually probably likely going to be a little bit higher. Uh, this is where my thought on Gabriel Davis comes into play a little bit. I think you're going to, you know, Gabriel Davis is that down the field guy, right? That's where a lot of his um, yardage is coming from. That's that's where he's a threat. And Dalton Kincaid is also that threat now. So I think some of those plays that would typically go to Gabe Davis are going to find their way into Dalton Kincaid as well. And if he can capitalize early on and build that trust with Josh Allen, then I, I don't think there's any looking back uh, for Dalton Kincaid. I think he is the second you know, right now he's the third target getter on the team by Mike Clay's projection. I think he's going to be number two in targets. I think he's going to be number two in production. I think he's going to be that impactful early on because, like we said, this team's not really made with those impact players outside of Stephon Diggs. Um, yep, Dawson Knox can catch a touchdown, but if it's a, it's either touchdown or bust for him. Uh, and Gabe Davis is that catch the ball wide open and busted coverage and run it in, or you don't get a lot out of him. So I think he's going to easily move in if he can pick up the offense and, and like I said, build that rapport and trust with Josh Allen, be a pretty productive player in year one. Yeah. I think that he's their slot receiver. And, and then you have Gabriel Davis, Stefan Diggs on the outside. Knox maintains his role at the tight end. And then you see the running backs. Um, they did again attack the interior offensive line in the offseason. David Edwards, as well as Connor McGovern, came over as guards. McGovern also has flexibility to play center. I think Edwards does as well. Kyle Allen, they had Damian Harris, the running back. Deontay Hardy, um, I don't, yeah, I see him there on the list as well. He's a quick guy. He's played well, but he also had a suspension for some PEDs. Um, then they had uh, Taylor Rapp at safety. Trent Sherfield at receiver, and then uh, Kevin Jarvis, a DB. Um, they got a B for their offseason so far. But let's uh, – I love the offensive line additions for them. It just it, – it's great. I think the 
addition of Torrance is going to really help that running back room a little bit to be a little more efficient than what they were last year. So I really think they got some underrated additions to the offensive line. Absolutely. I I, I love when teams, they do not ignore a need. Um, I just wish they would have put a little bit more effort on the receivers. Um, and they, they talked about it in their, you know, off season stuff, but they didn't really address it. Um, but I do, I do like Kincaid, and I think Kincaid is is I have met you know I think nine on my my superflex rankings as far as rookies, and I was trying to get him everywhere I could. Uh, I would take him over Will Levis, over Zay Flowers, um, and he was right there with Quentin Johnston for me. But let's talk about the NBA Finals and Stanley Cup Final contest. If you haven't downloaded the SGPN app, please pause the show, do it. You can always catch new content and make sure that you don't miss out on any of our free contests. We've got two more free contests for you, the Stanley Cup Final and the NBA Finals going on right now. Enter exclusively on the SGPN app, series props and game props, $100 SGPN gift card for grabs for each contest. Download the SGPN app and enter today. Now let's talk about the Miami Dolphins. This is this is the team that honestly inspired this series. We've covered the South. We've covered the West. We've covered the North. But I remember looking at these, and we'll talk about Devin A. Chain here in a second. But looking and saying, you can really look at some of these projections, whether you agree or disagree with them, and you can kind of see how offenses are going to look. You can also look for some trade targets, some sell-high targets, some buy-low targets. And maybe there's some guys that you were kind of not thinking about. And so to attack of Viola, I think a lot of people are really scared to draft him and he could be an extreme value. He also is a very risky, risky investment. So Brad Tua, what QB 16 with his stats right here. What are your thoughts? Uh, look, Tua has two of the best weapons in the game in Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. Two of the most explosive players in the game. They have blazing speed, but they can pair that with route running and separate. Like the whole, they're they're very well-rounded receivers. They're not just one-trick ponies. That is why you see Tua Tugaviola as a top five rated PFF quarterback uh, for the year 2022, regardless of all the injuries that he underwent. Uh, in, in throughout the season. Now, with all of that being said, there is some concern for me from a dynasty perspective with Tua. Not necessarily the injuries, because I think those are going to come and go for everybody, to be quite honest. But more around, if you watch a lot, he was saved by Tyree Kill quite often. Right with those down the field throws, Tua just doesn't have that arm to hit him in stride. He underthrew Tyreek Hill on a ton of throws that Tyreek Hill was able to just come back to the ball and just beat the corner. Like, it, it, and it wasn't like I said, it just wasn't a great throw out of the top five quarterbacks. He had almost double the uh, turnover worthy plays that the other guys did. That's that's not good. That's not good at all. Um, his A dot super high. I get it, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, but some of those things are eventually going to rear their head when Tyreek Hill ages out and moves on to another team or retires or whatever. That's I realize a couple years down the road for the Miami Dolphins before they have to deal with that. But that's where I'm at with Tua right now is. Can he be as successful as he was last year, which he was very successful on a per-game basis with Tyreek Hill getting older and eventually starting to lose some speed? So I, I, I do worry a little bit about Tua from a dynasty perspective. Yeah, and and I, I definitely think the concerns are valid, um, but I do think at, one, at some point he's becoming a, a value. He's got great weapons, and he's got a great offensive mind, and he's – He's kind of right there at the, the edge of no man's land. And when I say no man's land, like these are good quarterbacks, but there are definite question marks about their future. And I'm talking about Derek Carr and Geno Smith 
and Mac Jones and Trey Lance. Like he's right in that spot. I think he's, I think he's QB 14 or 13 now that the rookies have been added to the ECR and, um, you know, a QB 16 finish, honestly, I think if he plays 15 games, it's going to be higher than that. The weapons are just too, too good. Um, Yeah. He's, he's currently QB 14 in ADP for dynasty startup. Yeah. And the ECR is right about, right about the same way. Um, where, you know, but this is, you know, looking at a redraft standpoint, I just don't think 15 guys are going to finish above him. And so I, I do think looking at this as a short term, uh, I like I like the fit where uh, if you can get him as your your second quarterback, I think he's he's becoming a buy. Let's go to the running backs. And this is where, you know, Jeff Wilson really stood out to me because kind of like Samaj P. Ryan, you didn't really think about him as much. You know, he doesn't, you think about who is the lead running back for the Miami Dolphins. A lot of people are thinking A-Chain and a lot of people are very hyped about A-Chain and are probably not very happy to see Mike Clay's projections. Jeff Wilson leads the pack with 160 rushes with 27 receptions for a combined 937 yards and eight touchdowns for RB 32. Raheem Mostert. 139, 136 rushing attempts, 22 receptions for a combined roughly 800 yards and five touchdowns. A lot of production to the running backs. He's he's running back 41. Both of those numbers felt like they should be higher. Um, and then a chain 64 uh, RB 64 with only 70 fantasy points PPR. Uh, I mean, that, that cannot make people very happy. And um, I can imagine someone, you know, that is investing a 110, 111 in uh, A-Chain. They're thinking this is the perfect landing spot. He is going to crush it in this offense. And I I, I, I just don't think that's going to happen. I don't think he's going to be 70 as far as points. But I just don't think that he's, like, I ask people, how many touches do you realistically think he's going to get? And some people said, like, 10 to 15 high volume, like, High high value targets, and I'm like, really? Like they, they think he's Alvin Kamara. And so, what do you think? Uh, I think it's very weird that we see the addition of Devon A. Chain. You still have Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert, and yet we think Alec Ingold is going to get the same receiving production that he got last season. Like, isn't isn't that Devon A. Chain's job now? Like I so I look I. It's early. It's a projection. Uh, I think Devon A-Chain is going to lead the running back room in receiving targets, in targets. Uh, obviously, I don't, you know, well, I say obviously, I don't believe he's going to really get a ton of work running between the tackles when you've got guys that are familiar with the system and have the speed. Uh, and, you know, while they may be glass, have proven that they can do it. Uh, for the Miami Dolphins and get it done between the tackles. But I do think A-Chain is going to see a lot more receiving work than what we see in uh, the projections right now. Uh, I think Alec Ingold is an afterthought at this point. Salvin Ahmed is an afterthought at this point uh, and really just depth pieces for when, and yes, I said when, Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert get hurt because it's pretty much inevitable. Well, and, and and if tomorrow uh, Dalvin Cook joins this team, it, it's, it all goes to hell. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about the receivers. Tyreek Hill, wide receiver four. Jalen Waddle, wide receiver nine. Again, this is this is where like the math just does not compute. You have a wide receiver four and a wide receiver nine, and you have QB sixteen, and then we had Lamar Jackson who didn't have a top fifty receiver, and he was QB seven. The numbers are broken. Rushing is just way too powerful as far as how it weighs in on scoring. And I know that some people have scoring that, that you know, kind of balances things out, whether it's six passing touchdowns, negative three for interceptions, points per completion, those kind of things. But Jalen Waddle, I mean, Brett, I don't want to spend 20 minutes on this like T. Higgins, but Jalen Waddle is another guy like T. Higgins. He is a he is number five on the ECR. If you have him as your wide receiver one, do you feel like I'm good? 
Um, I, I mean, I, I get, I'm going to say the same thing I said yesterday. I, I think no, because there's really only five or six guys that you're really comfortable with being locked and loaded wide receiver one every single week. I know there's 12 quote unquote wide receiver ones, but I see Jalen Waddle very much like I see T Higgins. He's going to give you wide receiver two numbers minimum. He's going to give you some blow up weeks, right? That That's going to be built in, but there's no way that you can overlook a guy who had 1400 yards and eight touchdowns and be like, this guy's not my wide receiver. I, I'm not comfortable with this guy being on my squad. Uh, as well, a that, that, that's a little far. Well, no, I, I'm I'm saying on my squad as my quote unquote wide receiver one. That, like I said, I only count five guys really that I would be a hundred percent comfortable with as my quote unquote wide receiver one. But I think Waddle is in that conversation with T. Higgins, where look, if I can't get a C.D. Lamb or a Jamar Chase or a Justin Jefferson. I'm okay with Jalen Waddle being my number one. I'm okay with T Higgins being my number one, as long as I've got some other guys like them to go with it. And yet you declined Travis Etienne and Jalen Waddle for Jamar Chase. I'm just saying. Um, <laughs> when did that happen? Uh, I mean, it happened a month ago. Hang on a minute. I'm going to look this up while you're talking. Declined. Uh, declined Jalen Waddle and Travis Etienne. For Jamar Chase, and it's on the table right now. Oh, you went and put it back on. I'll, I'll make that trade today. <laughs> uh, Tyree Kill, wide receiver four. This guy has been an absolute stud for a guy that was a gadget guy and then wasn't supposed to do anything in Miami because he didn't have Patrick Mahomes and he had noodle arm Tua. And although Tua did have a bunch of um, plays that he had, <laughs> he had underthrown. Um, Tyreek Hill is still an elite receiver um, after the catch ability is just insane. And they have him down for 103 receptions, 1,333 yards, eight touchdowns, um, a couple rushing, um, you know, rushes eight for 50 and one. I mean, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, those guys were, were very good last year. And I think Tua is going to be, if he plays 16 games or 15 games, he's going to be a top 12 guy. The third guy, there's no one. Talk about there is no one. Braxton Berrios is the number three on this team. Chosen, Anderson, Cedric Wilson, Eric, Azukama, and then Durham Smythe. I mean, what is going on here with the Dolphins just going, you know, Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, and then Jags. Well, I think it's maybe indicative that maybe they have a little bit of a different plan for Devon A-Chain. Maybe they put A-Chain in the slot and let him work a little bit uh, and leave Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle on the outside. Um, you know, may, may, maybe the chosen one, you know, previously known as Robbie Anderson, uh, gets some playtime on the outside to allow Jalen Waddle and Tyree Kill to kind of fluctuate in the slot. Um, I, it's not pretty, but if you look at last year, it's basically the same thing. It's Tyree Kill, Jalen Waddle, and then the next person was Mike Gesicki with 56 targets. You know, Jalen Waddle, 121 targets. Tyree Kill, 181 targets. So the recipe looks very similar to what happened last season. And when you have Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle, do you really need a third necessarily? Eh, maybe, maybe not. Well, and so I, I think Cedric Wilson is sneaky in this group uh, and Berrios too. Uh, I think both those guys have, have had some, you know, spot start capability. But I'll, I think Jeff Wilson is interesting as far as a, a you know, late third round pick. Go throw it at, at, at them, get some depth at receiver, especially if you have a chain. But you're going to need receiver. Wilson is so weird, though, man. Like they gave him that, you know, pretty decent contract. And he had like less than 20 to what do you have? Less than 20 targets, 18 targets. I think he missed a lot of time last year. Uh, he played 16 games. How many snaps? 
Uh, it doesn't say on here. Yeah, I'm not. That's. I mean, he's he's played well at times when given opportunity, but yeah, if he, you know, if he didn't go on the field, there was a reason. Yeah. Um, Elijah Higgins, he's he's interesting because he's listed as a receiver. He might have that flexibility. Um, he's a tight end. He was announced as a tight end, and at the combine, he told us he was going to be converted to a tight end. Uh, I think he's going to be an interesting player as stash in your tight end premium leagues. Not going to do anything this year but an athletic guy that was a productive receiver at Stanford, big guy, um, athletic guy. We'll see what he can do. Um, but Durham Smythe, I just don't see him being the lead guy over there, um, whether it's going to be Saubert or Croft. I don't know. This this team is interesting because it's got some really, like, high-powered you know, options and then a yep. bunch of, like, yeah. All right, let's move on to the next team. All right. Oh, I, did, I didn't recap the Dolphins. Let me recap them real quick. Okay. Their draft, they had Cam Smith, corner, Devin A-Chain, and then they had Elijah Higgins and Ryan Hayes. They only had four picks. They had they lost two first-round pick and third-round pick for the tampering and tanking. And then they, uh, you know, they, they made that trade last year where they gave the Niners a first-round pick for um, Bradley Chubb. And then as far as... Their offseason, you know, you'd think that, you know, with a, a draft like that, that they probably had a pretty busy offseason. Um, that wasn't necessarily the case. Um, you know, they – actually, it was the case. Um, they made a big trade. I, for, I totally forgot about this. Jalen Ramsey. <laughs> they traded for Jalen Ramsey. They got Malik Reed, Eric Salbert, Freddie Swain, Mike White, um, David Long, linebacker. Dan Feeney, Deshaun Elliott, uh, Jaron Christian, Braxton Berrios, Jake Bailey, and Chosen Anderson. They got a B plus and a B as far as their grades. So who do we got next, sir? We got the Pats. The Patriots. And so, um, like we said, this has been, uh, been coming for a while. They really do miss Mr. Brady. Mac Jones. I mean, Brad, Brad would like to flip this and say that Bailey Zappi starts 14 games. But Mac Jones last year had a, the most incompetent crew of offensive. Uh, I mean, the, the Patriots always seem to they try to, they always seem to outsmart people, but sometimes they outsmart themselves. And Matt Patricia being the offensive coordinator, like to like boost his portfolio or something was at the detriment of Mac Jones and the New England Patriots. It was awful. Bill O'Brien, he's a terrible GM, but he's been a good offensive coordinator everywhere that he's gone. And he's the offensive coordinator. I think that's going to be good things for Mac Jones, but Mike Clay thinks it's not going to be enough. Ranked 27 as far, and that right there could get Mac Jones replaced and the Patriots have a new quarterback next year. It's not looking good. Um, for Mac Jones and and the Patriots, a lot of rumors that he's lost the locker room. There's rumors that he could have got traded to the Raiders this offseason. What are your thoughts, sir, Mac Jones? Are you completely out, or is he a buy low? One hundred percent out. And this is probably hot take central here. Uh, I think he gets replaced by Bailey Zappi sometime in season. Uh, I just don't think he's that good. I think he's got a little bit of a whiny attitude, which works for some quarterbacks when they're elite and playing at an elite level. And he's not there right now. And I think you saw sparks when Bailey Zappi got the opportunity to come in when Mac Jones was hurt. I think he looked good. He had an excellent completion percentage, much better a dot. You saw the, the team start to rally around him and play better. Um, now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying go by Bailey Zappi because he's going to be a great starting quarterback, but they're gonna they're gonna see what they have because I I think they're already over Mac Jones uh, personally. So unless he comes out and just starts lighting the world on fire and is able to win him win some football games, I just think they're going to move on and see what they can get out of Zappi and then address the quarterback position in the draft in 2024 because I'm just not, I'm just not a believer in Mac Jones at all. 
Yeah, I mean, he doesn't offer any rushing upside on top of the fact that his, you know, his passing game is meh. And so, yeah. like, I've just never been in on Mac Jones. And not even just, like, he was pretty impressive what he did his rookie year as far as winning games. But as far as fantasy, it's never really been meh. You know, yeah. so I, I'm out on Mac Jones. Someone else can take him. I don't even want him as my QB three as a fill-in. I mean, I, there's, I mean, unless they're playing the Texans or something, maybe. Um, but it, all the stars would have to align for me to want Mac Jones in my lineup. Their uh, their draft was pretty good. Um, they got an A minus, and um, they got values everywhere. You know, according to Daniel Jeremiah's top fifty, Christian Gonzalez was very high on the board. They traded back. And they were kind of trading back in spite of the Jets. Um, they allowed the Steelers to move up to get Broderick Jones, who a lot of people thought the Jets were going to get. They took Christian Gonzalez, one of the top-rated corners, if not the top-rated corners, a little different a style for the Patriots. They usually get all the little guys. He's a big corner, um, and the knock on him is he's kind of soft, um, that he doesn't like to tackle, um, and we'll see if you know how that works out. Keon White, Edge, he really fits the Patriots mold because he's kind of positionless. He's an edge. He's an inside guy. He can move him around on pass rush or or rundowns. Um, very physical guy. Very disruptive pass rusher. And they got Marte uh, Mapu, safety. This was a PFF said it was a good pick. I'll be honest, never heard of him. Um, Jake Andrews, center from Troy. Um, then they got Chad Ryland, kicker. They got uh, Sadi Sal, guard. They got Antonio Maffi, guard. Keishon Boutte, another one that was like, this guy, this guy could have been a, a top 10 pick six months ago. Then he ends up almost staying, then leaving. Then he, they're saying he, can, he might not make the roster. But if you're going to take a flyer on a high upside guy, there was not any anybody in the sixth round that had the kind of upside that this guy has. And um, looking at that receiver room, I mean, I don't know how he doesn't make the roster. Then they have Bryce uh, Perringer. Then you have Demario uh, Douglas, Amir Speed, and Isaiah Golden. Um, he's Isaiah Golden is a corner, and Amir Speed is is a, a he's also a corner. And then De- Demario Douglas is a speedy receiver. So let's get into the running backs. Uh, Ramondre Stevenson had a huge year last year. And they have him having a huge year this year as RB11. What are your thoughts here on Ramondre and his you know, very similar outlook from last year? Yeah, I mean, I think number 11 is definitely within the realm of possibilities. I just don't know that the numbers make sense to me. I mean, he had over 1,000 yards rushing last year, averaged five yards of an attempt, and then had 69 catches. On top of that, uh, and here he's at 800 yards and less receptions and actually has a little bit better finish, uh, I think, if I'm not mistaken. What no, was he was RB like seven or eight last year. Was he seven or eight? Was he? All right. Well, I may be. Uh, let's look real quick. Yeah, he was number seven in PPR, so a little bit lower. I just don't know why his volume would go down. Uh, I get they added James Robinson, but they had Damian Harris there last year getting the same amount of projected work, really. I actually think Damian Harris had a little bit more. Harris was the starter. So that's that's the what I'm not quite getting, right? You see the the volume of Andre Stevenson going down, and he played a full season, and yet he's projected to miss, like, I just it doesn't make sense to me that there's nothing that points to why he should miss three games, why his volume should go down. So to me, if this is where he's valued, he might be a guy worth just dangling a carrot out there and seeing what happens in your dynasty leagues. Yeah, I'm a Stevenson fan. I mean, he took over that backfield last year. And part of the reason is because they like to play positionless ball. And when you had Damian Harris or James White on on the, the field, you knew it was happening. It was run or a pass. Yep. And and so with him, you don't know if, if it's going to be a run or a pass. James Robinson, he's a good player. And he played good early last year until the Jaguars wanted to trade him. Then he was on the Jets. And then the Jets could not play him because there was incentive to not play him. 
Right. The more they played him, the the higher the pick they gave up was. And then the Jets let him walk. And, you know, Kevin Harris and Pierre Strong, that's nothing to sniff at. I mean, if you're looking for a deep, deep, deep stash, Pierre Strong is there. You could literally, like, just say, like, hey, Brad, uh, throw in Pierre Strong and this this trade is done. I mean, it could be a, a freaking kicker trade. I mean, Pierre Strong is not worth anything as far as – and the upside's there. You've seen it time and time again where the Patriots have just out of nowhere turned to somebody. And this guy's got good receiving chops. And it's a new offense with Bill O'Brien and Pierre Strong um, and Kevin Harris. Both looked good when they played last year. They they did. I mean, the offense did run the ball well, just didn't pass the ball well. Um, the receivers, Juju Smith-Schuster, Tyquan Thornton, Devontae Parker, Ken, you know, Kendrick Bourne. You got wide receiver 45, 54, 82, 95. Nothing to get really excited about. Um, Tyquan Thornton, you know, had the unfortunate collarbone injury. Um, what are your thoughts here on this receiving room? Are you interested in any of them? Yeah, Juju's my buy candidate out of these guys. I'm very interested in Juju in this style of offense. He's going to get to play out of the slot. He's not going to be forced outside. I think you're going to see Devontae Parker outside. I think you're going to see Kendrick Bourne on the outside. And then you're going to see Tyquan Thornton and Juju get to work out of the slot in three three wide receiver sets. And I just I think that's where he's going to thrive. That's where he's going to be the most productive. That's where he's going to be able to start with separation. And I think he's, you know, not only going to lead the team in targets, but I think he's going to blow this projection out of the water, quite frankly. And I I think he has the potential to be a low-end wide receiver, too, in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, I mean, it definitely will be a different offense, but he's going to be that slot guy. And that's been a favorite target for Mac Jones back when he was with John Mechie. Um, John Mechie's another slot receiver, did well with him. Um, and looking at their offseason, they picked up Calvin Anderson, Chris Board, linebacker, Calvin Anderson, tackle, Mike Kosicki, tight end, Trace McSorley, quarterback, Riley Reef, tackle, James Robinson, uh, running back, Juju Smith-Schuster, receiver, and then Corliss Waitman. Got a B-plus for their offseason. Got an A-minus for their uh, A minus for their, their uh, draft. But yeah, I mean, Tyquan Thornton could be a you know a little buy low. Um, he's a speedy receiver, but I just don't think he's going to give you consistent production like Juju might. Um, and then Keishon Boutte, I mean, you literally can get Keishon Boutte in the fourth round of your. Uh, and I mean, if I were to said Brad Keishon Boutte is the number one receiver for the the Patriots in 2024, that wouldn't surprise me, surprise anyone with yep. this crew. And Juju Smith-Schuster, I don't believe he signed a long term deal there. Um, and that's another thing with some of these offenses, you know, like the Bills going back to them. Diggs is getting older. Davis is on a a, a contract year. That receiving room is like, what's going to be the future of that receiving room? Um, all the Khalil Shakir owners go, yeah, me, me, me. <laughs> um, Mike Kosicki is going to take over the role for Hunter Henry. Hunter Henry was pretty, I mean, wasn't good, but decent, you know, tight end at times last year. They got him getting pushed aside for Gesicki. Um, I thought this was a head scratcher. I such a good tight end draft. The Patriots had a ton of picks instead of drafting a punter and a kicker after you just picked up a punter in free agency, like get a tight end and not spend money on Gesicki or go get, you know, another receiver, but they went and got Gesicki and did not draft the tight end. Uh, and they got Hunter Henry there. Any thoughts? Well, I'm curious if there is any tie, and I have to go back. That's what I was clicking through my phone for for a second there because I knew we were moving to the tight ends next, is, look, Bill O'Brien, back in New England. They're looking for a tight end. Where did Mike Gesicki play football at as a, as a at his collegiate level? Penn State. Penn State. Was that at the same time that Bill O'Brien was at Penn State? I don't, I don't know uh, if that timing overlaps. It's going to be pretty damn close uh, if it is. So now I'm thinking, okay, is that because he knows what Mike Mike Gesicki can do? He knows how he will utilize him in this offense. And you talked about Bill O'Brien's offense is always good when he's the offensive coordinator, Mike. Maybe not necessarily the head coach, 
but when he's the offensive coordinator. So could Mike Gesicki possibly be number two in targets at the the receiving game uh, after Juju Smith-Schuster? It would not shock me. Mike Gesicki, I'm much higher on than you are. I'm not saying go out and pay huge amounts for him, but he is definitely one of those guys. We talked about the tight ends before. What's the difference between tight end seven and tight end 20? Less than a point per game, probably. So Mike Gesicki is one of those guys that could surprise you. You get him super, super cheap, but he turns into somebody that you can get and get some decent week-to-week value out of. So I think Mike Gesicki, for me, is also probably a buy because the value is just so astronomically low right now. Yeah, and and we'll see. I mean, like I said, I, I don't have a, a whole lot of um, confidence in, in that receiving room, and, and maybe you can see a tight end. I, I do like Bill O'Brien as an offensive play caller, um, and you can see something. Let's uh, let's move on to the Jets and get, get out of here. All right, there we go. So to wrap up the Jets draft, they had Will McDonald. He's an he's a edge. They had Joe Tittman, center. Carter Warren, offensive tackle. Then you had Israel Avanaconda, running back. Zaire Barnes, linebacker. Then they had uh, Bernard Converse, corner, and then Zach Kuntz at tight end. Um, you know, very athletic draft. I like the Titman move. That was Daniel Jeremiah's top center. And then going and getting Will McDonald. They really want to be able to help the pass, help the pass defense by starting with the pass rush. And Will McDonald will definitely add that pass rush element to them. And when you look at their offseason, it all has to do with Aaron Rodgers. They traded Elijah Moore, got that extra pick, used it to acquire Aaron Rodgers, and then they have a contingent first-round pick next year. They added Tim Boyle. They added Nathaniel Hackett at the offensive coordinator position. Not a good deal in, in Denver, but he's had good good success as an offensive coordinator and with with back, Aaron Rodgers. Back-to-back MVPs with Aaron Rodgers. Yep. Uh, Chuck Clark, a safety. They traded for him. Um, then they got uh, Cologne Castillo. Nicole Hardman, um, who's also on the roster. Quentin, Quentin Jefferson, Alan Lazard, Thomas Moore, Morstead, Aaron Rodgers. Wes Schweitzer is a guard. And then they picked up um, Randall Cobb as well to you know, just really kind of bring over the Packers, you know, Aaron Rodgers said, I don't like the Packers, but let's go over here and bring the offensive ex offensive coordinator and half the, half the team. Um, so uh, Aaron Rodgers projected to be QB 14, um, 10 interceptions. Last year was the first time he had double digit interceptions in like a decade. Um, I maybe like more than that. Uh, 28, inter- 28 touchdowns, 10 interceptions seems kind of low. Um, considering what we've seen from him in the past. But uh, 4,000 yards, QB 14. What do you think about Rodgers and how he fits in this offense? Uh, I mean, the offensive fit, I think, is going to be just fine because, like you said, it's Nathaniel Hackett, who was his play caller uh, and coach for a number of years in Green Bay. So it's a very familiar system. And he has a guy that he can hyper-target, which is where Aaron Rodgers is the most successful. Um, I do. I think the yardage is there. I think the touchdowns are there. Uh, he's got running backs that he can, I'm not going to equate them to what he had in green Bay, but he's got very capable pass catching running backs as well. So I think it's going to be an offense that is just turnkey for him. He can step right in. He's got Michael Carter and Brees Hall. They can catch out of the backfield. Izzy Abinaconda, if he gets the opportunity, uh, he's got that separator in Garrett Wilson. He's got some familiar faces in Randall Cobb and Alan Desard. He's got a field stretcher, McCall Harmon. Like he has all of those same pieces or similar types of pieces as he had in his days in Green Bay. And I think we're going to see much of the same quarterback. So, yeah. And, and, you know, you're going to see the offensive line. Like that's for me the biggest part of this. The offensive line has to be able to, to support Aaron Rodgers and make this thing go. Um, Mekhi Becton's been a bust, and so um, he's lost a ton of weight, looks very motivated and ready to go. Hopefully, well, and, and 
his and I could be mistaken. His busting is really medically related right now, right? Not necessarily his play. Yes, so. and so to to expand on what I was saying, uh, he's been a bust because he's not done anything medically. He also has been very overweight that has contributed to the medical um, play on the field. hasn't necessarily been an issue, but he's not been on the field, and yeah. he was up to three hundred and eighty pounds. He had a lot of injuries and um, out of shape, those kind of things. He's slimmed down tremendously. He looks great, and hopefully he plays great and is able to maintain. But during his absence, they've had other offensive linemen play well, and um, you know we'll, we'll see if they're able to continue that. He could end up at guard um, to go with Elijah Vera Tucker and uh, be two pretty strong guards for them. And then Joe Tittman is a 6'7", Beast of a man looks like a lumberjack with his uh, his mullet and everything like that. Um, yeah, Nicole Hardman here and Corey Davis. I mean, Alan Lazard's there, uh, but Corey Davis could be a sneaky play here. Corey Davis, he's he's still there, and you know, Alan Lazard has the he's got obviously got the chemistry with with uh, Aaron Rodgers. But Corey Davis is someone that. He's really, you can get it for nothing. Lazard probably would cost you half of nothing, but Corey Davis is nothing. And I would not be surprised if he was the number two in this offense. And um, Hardman, I don't really have much for him. And I was surprised they brought Denzel Mims back, to be honest. I was surprised he was still on the roster. Uh, thoughts here on the receivers, other than, you know, Garrett Wilson to the moon? Yeah, I, I mean... Corey Davis was my kind of what I had highlighted for me, right? I think he could and quite possibly is maybe the second option on this team. Uh, But look, hot take, Garrett Wilson, am I crazy for thinking he could end up being the number one wide receiver in fantasy this year? I think he's in a situation where this dude is going to get absolutely peppered like Devonte Adams level peppering of targets because of the rest of this team Brees Hall coming off an injury as much as we want to see him be successful for a full season and get that receiving work out of the backfield I gotta think he's gonna be rusty for a little while and Garrett Wilson is a guy that is going to create separation at all levels of the field he's gonna make Aaron Rodgers' life very easy and I think it's going to be easy for Aaron Rodgers to just kind of, oh, Garrett Wilson's open. Oh, Garrett Wilson's open. Oh, look, there he is. He's open again. And you're going to see him absolutely eat people's lunches from a week-to-week basis. But I think Corey Davis, to me, like you said, is kind of the sneaky play here out of everybody. He's cheap. He might even not be rostered in in smaller leagues, you know, maybe, uh, you know, not huge bench depth leagues. And he's a guy that I would definitely be interested in seeing play with Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. And, and I kind of skipped over the running backs, but Brees Hall, not expected to be full go to start the season. Um, he should be ready to go, but I don't think anyone expects him to be at full strength. So you could see Zanovan Knight, Michael Carter play a little bit more in September and see Brees Hall kind of lightly moved in so they can try to get him at full strength for the playoff push. Um, so Izzy Abinacana, we were really excited about him. We were joking that the mock drafts had it wrong because they had him in the third round. Now he's going in the fourth round. Um, is yep. he someone that you're rostering or you're targeting as a stash? Yeah, he is. I mean, I, I think they are not as excited or happy about Michael Carter as maybe what they were when they drafted him as a rookie. Uh, while, yep, we liked what we saw in Zonovan Knight. He was a he was UDFA, correct? Zonovan Knight? Uh, yeah, Zonovan Knight was UDFA. Yeah, and I, I think there's an injury away from Izzy getting a little bit of opportunity and I'm not saying that he is worth anything really more than Penny uh, or a waiver wire pickup if you have a three-round rookie draft that he made it through. But I do think there's a world where there's some opportunity for him in a year or two down the road. Yeah, and with you know um, Michael Carter, he's on a, a last year of his contract as well. Yeah. Um, and so he, they may not 
be able to keep him. Let's go to the tight ends, get out of here. Uh, Tyler Conklin, tight end 19. Uh, pretty decent season, 47, 42, and 3. Um, anyone you're interested in there in the tight end room? No, I think that's a lot for him. I mean, if we we know Aaron Rodgers, it's he doesn't really like the tight end position. Same thing with Nathaniel Hackett's offense. Never really produced a high-level tight end uh, in his time at Green Bay. There were a couple weeks where we liked Greg Dolchik, but he wasn't going to play. So now it's, yeah, this seems... This is the one exception, I would say, Tyler Conklin and those guys that we talked about between the tight end six or seven and tight end 20 that I don't, I'm not, I'm just not interested in. So, yeah, I just, I think that, um, and I like Conklin. I think he's, you know, yep. decent player. There's too many mouths to feed. And I think, you know, Corey Davis is going to get more than 44 targets. Um, they're paying him a lot of money. Paying Tyler yep. Conklin quite a bit of money too. But Corey Davis, I think that they 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 throw the ball a lot. Aaron Rodgers likes likes to throw the ball a lot, and you're going to see, you know, a lot of Garrett Wilson. But the other guys are going to get theirs too, and Corey Davis is one of them. Um, plus, you know, whatever bonuses Randall Cobb has, Aaron Rodgers will make sure he gets them. <laughs> All right, well, we're going to get out of here. I appreciate everybody. Please subscribe, like, and comment. Let us know what you think about the show. As always, good luck this season. Cheers.